Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. All right, we're going to get into the Word this morning. Let's start off and let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that we get to start a brand new year and that you are the God of the new and that you are the God of new beginnings. And for those who maybe 2016 wasn't such a great year, we thank you that we can enter in uh, to a new beginning this year. And so, Lord, we speak that over us and we speak uh, blessing over this year in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you guys love Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A. Anybody love Chick-fil-A? See, here's what's going to happen. As we enter, those of you guys who don't know, we're entering 21 days of prayer and fasting. As we enter into 21 days of prayer and fasting, food shows up in my sermons a lot. So I've been fasting for about 10 and a half hours now, and food is already showing up in the sermons. And so just be prepared for that. Uh, but Chick-fil-A, uh, it, uh, it's, it's a great place uh, to be, to eat. Uh, we go there every year and dress up like cows and get tons of free food. It's awesome. Uh, but there's this story that I heard about a year and a half ago, and I believe I shared it about a year and a half ago, but I want to share it again because it's very significant for what God is speaking to us as a church right now. Uh, In the 1990s, uh, there was a company named Boston Chicken. Eventually, they become Boston Market, but they were Chick-fil-A's very first real competition in in the chicken uh, fast food uh, market, and so uh, Boston Chicken had a lot of aggressive growth plans. They wanted to grow, and and in the 90s, they were trying to grow faster and, and bigger, and they wanted to be a billion-dollar company in sales by the year 2000. And so Chick-fil-A was really nervous and, uh, about this competition, and so one day in one of the boardrooms, uh, they were having a meeting, and they were gathered together, all the executives, all the vice presidents of marketing, and all these bigwigs that were trying to come up with a plan of how to grow bigger, how can we grow faster, how can we grow bigger, how can we grow faster, and they kept uh, arguing back and forth. And meanwhile, Truett Cathy, the founder and owner of the company, was sitting at one end of the boardroom, seemingly disinterested as all of this arguing was going on about how they could grow bigger and how they could grow faster. And eventually, uh, he just began to pound his fist on the conference table just methodically until he had everyone's attention. And everyone just, you know, he, he just stood at attention. And he finally said, he goes, I'm sick and tired of hearing how we've got to grow bigger and faster, bigger and faster. He said, what we need to be talking about is how we can become better. And he said, if we become better, our customers will demand that we become bigger. And so it shifted the conversation, it shifted their marketing scheme, their plans, and it shifted all of it. And by the year 2000, Boston Market was filing for bankruptcy, and Chick-fil-A hit a billion dollars in sales for the first time in the company's history. Now, what does that have to do with us? Well, I think in our lives, there's a lot of that bigger, faster, bigger, faster that happens in our lives. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Bigger, faster, bigger, faster, more and more quantity over quality many times. And this fall, I began to hear this phrase resurface in my spirit for us as a church. This phrase, better before bigger. Better before bigger. 
You see, if you haven't been around here very long, uh, you, you, you might not notice that our church is, seems to just be growing bigger and bigger. And it seems like as we've been growing bigger and bigger, it seems like we've had to keep up with a lot. And we've been stretched thin. And, and sometimes when you're stretched thin in your life, how many of you guys know you, you don't always become better when you're stretched thin? Sometimes you're just stretched thin to a breaking point. And so I heard this, this phrase, better before bigger, come up in my spirit for us as a church. And, because here's what's happened. Every single year, we've celebrated 10 years this past fall. Every single year as a church, our church has been better than, or bigger, you could say, than the last year numerically. So you could look at the giving, you could look at the, the numbers of people attending, you could look at all of these things. It, and we, every single year, has been just a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. Now, can I just tell you, that's, that's a rare thing for a church to be bigger every single year for 10 years in a row without fail. And so here's what happens whenever that happens. There's a temptation to feel like we've got, we can never have a down year. We've always been bigger than the last year. We've always been bigger. So we cannot have a down year. And that started to creep into my spirit a little bit. It started to creep into the think, I guess I should say the thinking uh, a little bit of like, well, we've got to, we're, we're going to be bigger than last year. Now, there's nothing wrong with being bigger. How many of you guys know that God is a God of abundance? God is a God that has bigger thoughts than we could ever think, and he wants things to grow. But here's what God began to speak. He said, Sean, why don't you focus this year on making what you have better? And here's what I know, whenever you make what you have better or healthier, it will become bigger. It will grow. And so as a church, that's what we're doing. I mean, you can see we're growing. I mean, you look at, how many of you guys were here at that first Christmas Eve service? Oh my gosh, we could not have fit another uh, person in the room that night. And, and I believe that as we focus on better before bigger, then what will happen is the bigger will happen. And, and so this is the trap we're caught in in our lives. We're caught in into that bigger, bigger, more, faster, and more and more, more things, more, more business, more money, more uh, friendships, more everything. And we get into this bigger, bigger, bigger. And, and, and we've got to understand that bigger isn't always better. But better leads to bigger. They, they say that 92% of people, how many of you guys have New Year's resolutions already? You have a new... You guys aren't even going to own it because you don't even want to put it on record. All right. Let me give you some good, bad news. Uh, 92% of New Year's resolutions fail, they say, according to Forbes magazine. And here's why I believe they fail. It's because, for most people, the, the reason why they fail is because they have not built the inner character to sustain the outward goal. So we have all these, all of a sudden, I want to, all of a sudden, I want to do this big thing, this new thing that I couldn't accomplish all this other time. But the problem is you get into doing it and you haven't built the inner character to sustain the outward goal. And because of that, it's going to fail uh, most likely every time. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 says this, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Basically, what this scripture is saying here at the end is one who takes care of his inner man is better than any outward exploit that could happen. One who rules his spirit is better than any person who outwardly could take over a city. One who rules their inner man is better than any outward exploit that could ever happen. You see, we've got to understand that we are spirit, soul, and body. It's not just all one package. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, Now, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, 
and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. See, the word of God doesn't even divide us into two parts. It divides us into three parts. Watchman Nee puts it this way. He says that God dwells in the spirit, self dwells in the soul, and senses dwell in the body. You see, our goal should be to let God take over as much territory and hopefully all the territory that he can. But, but just because God is in, dwells in the spirit doesn't mean it's going to pour out into the soul and into the body. But I want you to see by that, by that scripture, we have an inner man. We have something that resides on the inside of us that isn't just one thing. It's not just one package. And so to live bigger externally, we have to live better internally. Let me say that again. To live bigger externally, we have to live better internally. Our internal man has to live better. And so this year as a church, we will get bigger. I promise you, we will get bigger. But first, we're going to focus on getting better. And, and, and I want you to, to adopt that for your life. This, this year, I hope it's your best year ever in whatever your business is and whatever your, your, your endeavors are. But take some time, and that's why we're doing 21 days of fasting and prayer, to take some time to, do, to use what we have and to make what we have better so that God can grow it bigger. Why? Because there is a spiritual principle that's found in the book of Daniel that has to do with this. Uh, in the year 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came in to uh, the people of Israel and took some people out. He took all the best and the brightest out of Israel, and he wanted to re-educate them, and he took them over. And we have the story of Daniel in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. It starts off because as they brought them in, they wanted to feed these best and brightest and re-educate the best and the brightest to the Babylonian ways. And so they wanted to feed them the Babylonian food and the Babylonian customs and the Babylonian everything. And Daniel purposed in his heart that he was going to stay true to who God called him to be. And so he has this little showdown that happens with the people who are overseeing Daniel, who's one of these exiles taken out of Israel. It says, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him to not defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear the Lord, my king, the king who assigned your food and drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. He says, listen, my job is to make sure that all of you guys are strong and healthy and doing well. And if you want to go on this fast, because Daniel was basically fasting in the eyes of others, if you want to go on this fast, you're going to look worse. You're not going to have as much strength. And I can't let you do that because my head's on the line. And, and Daniel says this in verse 11. He said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, he's, and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, said, test your servants for 10 days. And let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. He says, let us go on this fast for 10 days. Test us out and see what happens at the end. He says, let our appearance and the appearance of the youth who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. And so here is the better. He says, I'm not worried about what this gets me in the long run. I want to focus internally on the vow that I have before my God. And I'm going to cultivate that even at a great cost if it comes down to it. He says, I'm going to focus on the better. And so he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. 
And at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in the flesh. Now, I don't know who, whose New Year's re- resolution is to get fatter, but that was, that was Daniel's. He, that was the goal. That was the win. He's fatter in flesh. He's doing all right. And so the, then all the youths who ate the king's food, and so the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Now, that's the better. He committed to the better. And it says in verse 17, as these four youths, God gave them, now here comes the bigger, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And at the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none of them was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in the kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. And eventually they all get promoted into bigger and more responsibility. So we see this principle played out that bigger or better before bigger equals blessing and promotion. Better before bigger equals blessing and promotion. And as we cultivate internally and be faithful internally to what God has put in front of us, the bigger will come. The bigger will come. There's a famous story of John Wesley who was a great revivalist a long time ago, a couple centuries ago. And he was uh, writing in his diary. He, didn't have a, a, he felt like he had a call of God on his life and he was going to follow that out. Uh, here's actual entries from his diary. Sunday a.m., May 5th, preached in St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. <laughs> That's not good if you're a preacher and you're called to preach, right? And so that was Sunday, May 5th, in the a.m. He writes, Sunday p.m., May 5th, preached at St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday a.m., May 12th, preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday p.m., May 12th, preached at St. George's, kicked out again. Sunday a.m., May 19th, preached at St. Somebody Else's. <laughs> Deacons called a special meeting, and I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., May 19th, preached on the street, kicked off the street. Sunday a.m., May 26th, preached in a meadow, chased out of meadow as bull was turned loose during the services. And Sunday June 2nd, preached at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., June 2nd, afternoon service, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear. You see, as he continued to be faithful, cultivating what God had put in front of him, the bigger comes. Better before bigger. Now, there's, there's another side of the story in Daniel, though. You see, Nebuchadnezzar was the opposite of Daniel. Daniel was better before bigger, but Nebuchadnezzar was bigger before better. And he was the king of Babylon, which was one of the biggest empires in all of history. If you look back, I believe the Persian Empire was bigger, but it was was one of the biggest in all of history. And so in Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, it says, verse 28, it says, All this came upon Nebuchadnezzar. He had a dream, and Daniel interprets it. Verse 29, At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, and he, so he's looking out over all the big things that he's done. And the he, and he, king answered and he says, is, this not, is not this great Babylon which I have built 
by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. Can you hear the ego and the pride in all of this? And it was a great Babylon. During his reign, it, it was the most magnificent thing on the earth, Babylon. And, and the, the city was probably the largest on earth at the time. 200 years, Alexander the Great would uh, plan to make this city his headquarters as he uh, established his vast empire. Uh, the, the city was so great it had a double wall system. The inner wall was 21 feet thick, reinforced defense towers every 60 feet. Eventually, they would add another layer of walls that would go 17 miles so big that chariots could ride on top. Can you get the picture that this thing is vast? The Hanging Gardens, which was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, was attributed to Nebuchadnezzar. And it was said that his wife had moved from the mountains into the plains of Babylon, and he wanted to, she missed the mountains, and so he built this magnificent thing just so that she wouldn't be homesick. Here's a guy who had everything. He continued to build, continued to be bigger, continued to be bigger, but it was prophesied that as you're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and not tending to the things that God had called him and wanted to deal with in his heart, uh, things would not turn out so well. Verse 31, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be the be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules this kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from among men, and he ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew from heaven, till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers, and his nails were like birds' claws. Now, here's what's happening Here's basically what's happening. God allows Nebuchadnezzar to be seen externally how he really looked internally. God allowed, see, Nebuchadnezzar thought, man, I'm big, I'm large and in charge, and everything's going well. And God's looking at the inner man and says, your inner man is like that of a wild animal that can't even, can't even put anything together, can't get its life straight, has to wander around, has no purpose, and is not fulfilling anything of worth. So the question for us today is, what if God allowed us to be seen externally for what we really are internally? What would that really look like? What would our inner man really look like if it was fleshed out? And so we see this principle in the book of Daniel that better before bigger equals blessing and promotion. But if you get it wrong, if you put the better in the wrong place or the bigger in the wrong place, we see bigger before better equals a breaking point and a humiliation. And how many times in our life do we try to go bigger, faster, bigger, 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 bigger? And I'm telling you that eventually the shaky foundation that the bigger is built upon is going to come crashing down. And you'll have a breaking point where there's a humiliation that comes with it. You know, the Bible says in, in James, I, I believe it talks about humbling ourselves, right? Humbling ourselves in the sight of God. Here's what I know about God. We can either choose to humble ourselves or eventually we will be humbled, so bigger before better equals breaking point and humiliation. And there will be a day when the foundation starts to crack. So we have to get it in the right order, and we've got to get some basics down. And so why we're doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting, let's, let's talk about that. I've got three quick questions that are very simple, okay? Don't dismiss them because they're simple. Just look at your inner man and ask them, are they happening, okay? Don't dismiss them because they're simple because the Bible gives us a lot of things that are simple but not easy. 
You know, forgiving others is a simple concept, but it's not easy. Taking up your cross is a simple thing, but it's not an easy thing. Saying I'm sorry is a simple thing, it's not an easy thing. And so I'm going to give you some simple things that aren't easy. Okay, so ask yourself not are these simple or do I know them? Ask them, am I applying them to my life? And so here's the three questions. The first one is this, am I fasting? Am I fasting? We're giving you a great opportunity uh, to, to participate in fasting. And I'll, I'll talk just a little bit as to why that's important. Fasting is important because it, you, you sometimes have to make room uh, and get rid of old things before God can add new things. Sometimes you have to let go of something you're hanging on to before God can fill it with something that he wants to put in it. And so many times we're holding on to our life and we're holding on to things and we're unwilling to let them go. But fasting is that practice. See, Daniel in Daniel chapter 1 was a form of fasting and he ended up 10 times better. So here's what we're doing. We're going, uh, as a church, I'm inviting you to 21 days of prayer and fasting. Let me tell you what Becca and I are doing as, as this corporate fast. We're, we're fasting uh, food, and uh, I'm fasting Facebook, so you won't see me on Facebook at all because I just uh, I, I don't need a distraction during this time to focus completely in on God. And so we're doing that. Some people are doing a Daniel fast, and there's resources online for that that you can search that out. Some people, maybe, maybe because of your health or a different situation, you, you can't do one of those things, but maybe you could fast a certain meal or a certain food or certain days of the week or the, the point is, listen and ask God, say, how am I so, to participate in this? And I know this, when we did this last year, there were many people who had never, ever fasted before in their life. And they just had no, no idea about what that was. But here's what I want you to understand. Fasting is a regular part of a believer's life. It always has been for centuries and centuries and centuries, for millennia. Fasting has been a regular part of a believer's life. It's part of the rhythm uh, and Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 6, I believe, he says, when you fast, did you catch that? He says, when you fast. He didn't say, if you fast. And so fasting is a regular part of believer's life. Now, I know some of you guys are like, fast, I, man, I am hungry right now. I even had breakfast before I came to church, and I'm hungry. How could I fast? And you're fasting for 21 days. Can you even live? Yes, you can live. We've done it before. It's okay. Here's what I know. The Bible says, though, that, that Satan will, will show up uh, in like a sheep in wolf's clothing or like an angel of light. When you're on a fast, Satan shows up as a Big Mac. It's, it's just the way it works. And, uh, yeah, it's Satan. And so... Uh, but just be prepared for that. And so, so we're doing that. We're fasting. Here's what I know, that every person here has some part of you internally that probably needs to be broken off. Fasting is letting go of something that you find precious right now and saying, it's saying, God, I want a Big Mac, but I want you more. God, I, I want to hang on to this thing in my life, but I want you more. I want to let, I want to let, here's what fasting is. Fasting is letting your spirit take over more territory than your body and your drive in your body, your senses that says, I have to have this and that. No, the, the fasting, it, it, it drives a stake in the ground. It says, my spirit is going to rule over my life and my body, and I'm going to let God take over more territory. Those of you guys who aren't on Facebook, we have our, our Journey Church Insider blog, journeykc.com slash insider. Every single day of the next 21 days, there will be a devotional, a video, a Bible reading plan that you can follow along with. You can just jump on our website and follow along with. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible for you to 
participate in this. Am I fasting? Now, I threw out a video, speaking of Facebook, on Facebook earlier this week. Some of you guys may have seen it. Some of you haven't. Uh, there was a leadership guy on there, and he was talking about this generation of millennials. Millennials are the people who have born, like, from 1940, 1980, not 1944, uh, 1984 uh, on. And the problems and the challenges that corporate America is having uh, with that age group and how to manage them. And he listed off several reasons why. Uh, but one of the reasons why was technology. And, and he began to talk about uh, scientific studies that have been uh, shown recently that whenever we get a like on Facebook or whenever we get a text message, that there's a chemical that's released in our body, the chemical dopamine that is actually released into our body that makes us feel good when we get a like or when we get a text. And so that's why People count likes, like how many likes did I get today, or how many, how's my Instagram going, or how's my whatever, and it's because it's actually re releasing a chemical in us that makes us feel good. And he said, this is the same chemical that gets released into our body when we smoke, when we drink alcohol, and when we gamble. In other words, it's an addictive substance. And he said that when, when teenagers were growing up in a previous generation, uh, the way we were supposed to grow up is whenever we have stress in our life and whenever, whenever we have problems, we're supposed to turn to a parent or to a friend or hopefully to God. But what happens sometimes is some people might turn to alcohol to numb the pain of the stress or, or to smoking or to some other device to try to numb the pain of the stress. And some of you guys may have experienced that growing up or may, may be dealing with those things now. He said the problem is now we're dealing with something completely different because now we have all access 24-7 in the hands even of our teenagers right now. The same thing that whenever you have this device, it can release the same chemicals in our body that cause a numbing to, go, to, to numb our pain. And so instead of turning to parents, or instead of turning to friends, or even instead of turning to God, we'll turn to something that can make us feel good. And here's, here's what I know. They, they say it's proven that if you spend more time on Facebook versus those who spend less time, those who spend more time are more depressed than those who spend less time, or not at all. And so here, here's the end game of that, okay? The end game of that is addiction to something. And here's my, my synopsis of that. I don't believe it's a millennial generation problem anymore for that technology. And I don't have to speak too far into you guys as adults to know that we have the same problems as what he was describing in the millennial generation. If you have problems setting down your phone, putting it down, counting the likes on Facebook, or, or you're, you are addicted to that, okay? And why do I say that that's important? It's important because we may not even realize what we're going to to numb certain stress in our life that we should be going to God or we should be going to other people. But we are just like he described to the millennial generation, we're going to a substance, a device outside of God, outside of relationship to make us feel good. And so I say that to, to say you may have something in your life right now that needs to be cut off that you may not even be aware of. And when we fast and when we go into that time with God and we say, God, show me. God, I let go of all of these things. God may reveal things in your life you may not even be aware of to help cultivate a better inner man. Okay, am I fasting? The second question is this, am I feasting? Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus is led into the wilderness, up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's like the most obvious scripture in all of the Bible. (laughs) And a tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Are we feasting on the word of God? Are we feasting on the presence of God? You see, what cultivates the inner man and makes the inner man better is when we spend time in the presence of God and in the word of God. That's what cultivates that. And so this, this, this next 21 days, are we cultivating, are we feasting on the presence of God? Are we feasting on the word of God? Remember, it's simple. It may not be easy because you have to carve out time. You have to carve out attention. You have to shut out distractions. Uh, we, we had planned on having uh, some devotionals here, uh, a little journal thing that you could uh, follow along with and, and write some things down with, but they got stuck in Iowa in some snowstorm. Or I don't know what it was. They're stuck somewhere. Uh, and so uh, we'll have them next week. We'll actually have them here this week that you could stop by and grab some. Let me walk you through what it is, though. There's nothing special about the journal. It was just a tool. Let me, let me share, and some of you guys know this, and you've already applied this, and you've been through this before. If you struggle with how to study the Word of God, let me give you a simple way to do this. We've got our Bible reading plan on our journey, kc.com insider. You can go on there, read the Bible, whatever that reading list is for the day. And then here's what we do. If you want to get started into studying the Word of God, we use what's called the SOAP method. And each one of the letters stand for a way to study Scripture. And so what you do is as you're reading, you be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And maybe there's a scripture, that's what the S stands for, there's a scripture that stands out to you. And so you meditate or you think about that scripture. Like, what is this scripture all about? What is this scripture all about? And you just find one scripture in the midst of all the reading. And and you write that scripture out in your journal or in the notebook, and you write it out. Just go ahead and write it out by hand what the scripture is. Then the O stands for observation. What's going on in this scripture? What's happening here? What are the, what are the, what's the setting? What's, who's he talking to? And you write down just a little couple, few sentences as to what you see happening in the scripture as best you can. And then the A stands for application. And it simply is this, what am I going to do about this scripture? How does this scripture apply to my life? How could I take what's going on in this scripture and in this story and actually bring a principle or maybe a direct command in my life to, to follow that today. Not tomorrow, but what can I do today to actually apply what I'm reading? And then the P stands for prayer. And you can write out even a prayer. It would be a good practice just to pray through a written form. And just write out a prayer. Like, God, I am so thankful to be able to see what you're doing in the, in the lives of the people in this story. And I know that what you've done for them that you can do for me. And I commit today to, to following this out, to, to getting around the friends who are going to encourage me. Whatever God lays on your heart during that prayer time. Very simple way. Take just a few minutes a day. If you would do that every single day of this 21 days, I guarantee you, you'd look back. You'd have a notebook full of treasure of how God has spoken to you over the last 21 days. Am I feasting on the word of God? Uh, The last question is this. Am I filling? The Bible says to be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. As I look at the inner man, am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Let me ask it a different way. Does my life look like that of one that I would describe as being filled with the Spirit, overflowing with the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit, and the power of the Spirit. 
the fruit of the Spirit and the power. Does my life look like what I imagine someone's life would look like if they were filled to overflowing with the Spirit, the fruit and the power? And if not, then we open ourselves up and we say, God, I want to be filled. I want to be filling over the next 21 days. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be, listen to this, strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is what he does. This is when the spirit comes to fill you. He is strengthening, he's what? Making your inner man better. Strengthening you with power by the spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does when you are getting filled with the spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work, where? Within us. Do you see where it happens? It happens within us. So many times we're waiting for God to do something outside of us, and God says, no, I, I'm not going to do anything outside of you. I'm first going to do something within you. You can't, you can't overflow with something you're not overfilled with. If you're not filled with the Spirit to overflowing, then the Spirit is not going to flow out of you. And so we have to ask that question, am I filled? Am I filling? It's because it's the inner man that sustains the outer man. I've got a quick Jerry Seinfeld clip. Yes, sacrilegious, whatever. Um, but uh, it describes, he's describing two different types of people in his life. Let's go ahead and let's roll it. I never get enough sleep. I stay up late at night because I'm night guy. <laughs> night guy wants to stay up late. What about getting up after five hours sleep? Oh, that's morning guy's problem. That's not my problem. I'm night guy. I stay up as late as I want. So you get up in the morning, you're warm, you're exhausted, groggy. Oh, I hate that night guy. <laughs> See, night guy always screws morning guy. There's nothing morning guy can do. The only thing morning guy can do is try and oversleep often enough so that day guy loses his job and night guy has no money to go out anymore. Night guy versus day guy. Now, what does that apply to us? I believe we've got to look at it as inner man versus outer man. <laughs> inner man versus outer man. I want you to get this right now. Here, here's what I want you to capture in your spirit. The outer man should not build what the inner man cannot sustain. Right, I can't see you guys anymore. I need some lights. I can't see you guys. We lost the lights. Oh, there we go. The outer man should not build what the inner man cannot sustain. And yet most of us are that bigger, faster, bigger, faster, bigger, faster. The inner man is essential to sustaining what the outer man can produce. Because here's the truth of the matter. Just like Nebuchadnezzar, we always right-size back down to the environment of which our inner man really is. We always right-size down to the reality of our internal environment. Our church will always right-size back down to the real level of leadership and capacity that we have to be a church, to what we've developed on the internal. Okay? And we may grow, maybe if, if 2,000 people showed up here next week, we would eventually right-size back down to the leadership capacity that we actually have to be able to lead and pastor, the right, whatever the number that is. Maybe it's 600 people, maybe it's 800 people, maybe it's 400. Eventually, we will right-size back down to the level of real leadership that we can. Your finances will eventually right-size them back down to the ability that you have to manage them. If you got a windfall of, of finances right now and you all of a sudden, maybe somebody dropped $100,000 in your lap, 
depending on your ability to manage that money, it will right-size back down to whatever level of financial guru you are. It will always right-size. Your business will always right-size back down to the ability of, uh, that you have to manage and to supply customers with whatever business you have. It will always do that. So what I'm suggesting is our outer man will always eventually right-size back down to whatever our inner man has the capacity to sustain. And so as we begin to think about this next year, as we begin to dream about this next year, I say dream big. Dream. Some of you guys have already been dreaming big. Dream big. Dream whatever God dreams puts, God puts in your heart. But as you begin to dream and as you begin to think over this next year and as you begin to spread out your tent stakes, ask yourself this question, not can I accomplish this, ask what does my inner life need to look like to sustain what my outer life wants to build? What does my inner life need to look like to sustain what my outer life wants to build? And I believe as we begin to do that, God will begin to reveal to us strategies and a plan and, and, and things in our life. And let me just close up with this. I want you just to picture, just close up with this. Picture your life, the inside, the internal workings of your heart and of your life. Just picture it this way. Picture it as if it's that boardroom that we talked about with Truett Cathy's in there. And, and inside of your life, you have a lot of different voices arguing, let's go bigger, faster, bigger, faster, bigger, faster. All these different noises inside of you right now coming into 2017. Your task is simply to do this. Your task is to pound your fist on the conference room table of your inner life and say, before we think about all this talk about bigger, faster, bigger, faster, what about better? What about better? And if we get better internally, then our outer life will demand that we get bigger as we get better. And so what I want to do is I want us to all stand up, and we're going to apply that scripture, Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 3, I believe, that we read earlier. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to strengthen us with his power in our inner being right now. Would you guys bow your heads, close your eyes? Maybe you, 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 if, if you're like, uh, like me and I like to just participate in any way I can, maybe you hold your hands out and you're just in a posture of receiving before God. And we're going to pray and we're going to ask God by the power of the Spirit to, to apply that scripture right now in this moment directly that the Holy Spirit would come and strengthen us by his power in our inner man. Because we need to be asking that question. What does my inner life need to look like to sustain what my outer life wants to build? And so right now, just in the quiet, just, just think about that question for a little bit. What does your inner life need to look like to sustain what your outer life wants to build? What kind of changes, what kind of rearrangement needs to happen? Better before bigger. And Holy Spirit, we just ask right now that you would strengthen us by your power in our inner being. Lord, we want to be a people, not just bigger, faster, but we want to be better. And I believe, Holy Spirit, that's your word for us right now, is better before bigger. Lord, we yield to that. We receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about dealing with inner vows that we make. It's going to be a, a strong week. Uh, be sure if you, had a, if you fill out a Connect card to turn it in on your way out. We'll see you guys next week. You are dismissed. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.